So this morning, it's been filled with stories of baptism, a sacrament with a simple element, the most basic of elements, water. And it's so especially beautiful to be able to baptize Danielle on the day of our Lord's baptism, as Sinjin just read for us from the book of Luke. John the Baptist had the privilege of baptizing Jesus. So those of you who have been here for the past few weeks, we are following the lectionary. And a few weeks ago, we read passages from Luke chapter 3, a few verses about this John the Baptist. Now, you may remember me calling him a weirdo, a monk, and a prophet, because he was the guy who was wandering around the desert, praying, proclaiming prophecies, eating locusts and honey, He was shouting to the crowds, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And he called the onlookers, the religious elite, he called them a brood of vipers. This John earns his surname, the Baptist, here in verse 21 of Luke chapter 3. John gets to baptize Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who he said he is unworthy to untie even his sandals, the feet covered by dirt, the ick of the roads. John said, I can't even touch that part of him, let alone baptize him. Can you imagine the privilege? The privilege John had. So, yeah, he was a sort of a weirdo, (laughs) a monk, and a prophet, but he was entrusted by God with this most holy task. So even if you consider yourself maybe a weirdo, maybe the type of person who others don't understand, God has a purpose for you to use in a most holy way. So this this text from the book of Luke that Sinjin just read for us, This is the moment where Jesus comes out of the very ordinary waters of the River Jordan, and we hear the voice of God calling down from the heavens and saying, This is my Son, my Beloved. With him I am well pleased. This week, as I was preparing my sermon, I happened to begin reading this book, The book's sitting on Danielle's lap right now. It's by Tish Harrison Warren, and it's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Tish is an Anglican priest, and this particular book came recommended to me by a few of my spiritual mentors. And it was so timely that I would begin to read it during this week of preparing for the baptism of the Lord, because the very first chapter is on baptism. As I prepared for this sermon, but also to baptize Danielle, I read Tish's explanation, her vision for how this sacred sacrament goes beyond a moment in time and intersects with every part of our everyday lives. Tish points out that the proclamation of God's of God's from heaven, how he calls Jesus my beloved, 
This comes before Jesus has done anything noteworthy. Up until now, we've had like a chapter or two in the book of Luke. We've had Jesus' birth and then his baptism. So what happened in all of those decades? Two or three decades of Jesus' life? Everyday, ordinary, mundane type of stuff. Jesus hadn't yet walked on water or healed the sick or turned water into wine. Jesus hadn't raised Lazarus from the dead. He hadn't yet been crucified or risen once again himself. And yet God chooses at this moment, before anything miraculous has happened, to call Jesus my beloved. Jesus has been living out the very same ordinary daily life of humanity that you and I live the same humanity that God sent him to redeem. He knew every part of it. And before any of his miracles, before any explanation or obvious signs that this is the divine, this is God's son, God the Father declares his love for Jesus. So Tish writes this, Jesus is eternally beloved by the Father. His every activity unfurls from his identity as the beloved. He loved others and healed others. He preached and taught and rebuked and redeemed, not in order to gain the Father's approval, but out of his rootedness in the Father's love. So this morning, we have been reminded of God's grace God's protection over his people, both in our songs and in our scriptures and in the sacrament of baptism and later in the sacrament of communion. The overarching message is God loves you. That is the message of today and really every day. Every day of the week, God's desire is that you would wake up knowing you are loved by him. That you would live out every moment, both the momentous occasions and the mundane activities, out of your identity as God's beloved daughter or son. For those of us who were maybe baptized as an infant or have been baptized as an adult, We have been marked in this sacrament, just as Danielle was, by the grace of God. And this, our role as beloved child of God, is our most significant role in life. Nothing else you could ever do will make God love you less. We may take on other roles during the day. Maybe you're a parent or a sibling, or a friend, or a neighbor, or a coworker, or a boss, or an employee, but nothing else needs to be done to earn God's love. We are God's beloved. In the Isaiah passage that Dan read for us, oh, Dan didn't read that for us. Who read Isaiah for us? Bree read for us, thank you. Bree read Isaiah for us earlier. This is the story of the redemption 
and the restoration of the people of Israel, God's first people. God describes his love for these people in a way that reminds me of a parent's love. It is fierce, yet it is tender. He says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. He says in verse 4, because you are precious in my sight and because I love you, God will stop at nothing to protect you, to ensure that you are safe and that you are loved. Every night when, when we tuck Kirsten and Junie into bed, that is one of my prayers, is I pray that they would know that they are safe and that they are loved. Loved by mom and dad and loved by God. In a few weeks, we'll be baptizing another infant, baby Liam Loomis. And a few months ago, you all were here to witness the baptism of our own daughter, Junia, and baby Hudson, Mada. Mada? Mada? I always pronounce it incorrectly. Mada. And, and I know that infant baptism is one of those things that's a bit contested between church denominations. I'm sure families have gotten into arguments over whether or not you baptize your infant. Because it, it is a big deal, and we feel very strongly about this. Personally, I grew up in a church that did not believe in infant baptism. We only believed in believer's baptism for an adult to make that decision. Now, adult baptism is in part an expression of our salvation, our belief, our, our confidence that we are redeemed by Christ. But also, there's something at work here in these moments, in the simple waters, that God is doing. This is not just a human ordinance that we do. There is something that God is doing. That's why we call it a sacrament. We affirm the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in ordinary things. The ordinary things of water and bread and, and the cup. Those are our sacraments. And so when we baptize an infant, that infant has no say in the matter, and yet that infant is loved by God. That infant is not able to, to take a stand of their faith, to defend their faith, to even utter the name of Jesus. But an infant's baptism declares the power of God at work within us, apart from our own efforts. And that is what God does, no matter what age you are baptized. The power of God invited into your life to transform your everyday, your everyday walking about life with his love and his grace. So when Kevin and I, for those of you who are interested, um, in just exploring a bit more of what infant baptism means. We wanted to invite the Holy Spirit to work on behalf of both of our girls when they were just a few months old. And in those moments, we brought our children before you all, the church, to dedicate them to the Lord, yes, to ask you to participate with us in raising them to know God, to know God's love and believing that the Spirit of God is willing and capable to work in any one of us. 
whether they know it or not. Whether you know it or not, the Spirit of God is working within you. God's love is transforming and shaping you. And as children grow, for those who take their vows as an infant or have had vows taken on their behalf, we pray that they would grow up to affirm those vows for themselves, to affirm once again those same vows that Danielle just responded to. I do believe in Jesus. I will renounce the sinfulness of this world. I will participate in God's church. So once again, priest Tish Harrison Warren writes, before a baby can cognitively understand the story of Christ, before they can confirm a creed or sit up or use the bathroom or can contribute significantly to the work of the church, grace is spoken over them and they are accepted as part of us. They are counted as God's people before they have anything to show for themselves. And that is what we, no matter if we're five years old when we're baptized, or 15, or 25, or 55, God's grace does a work in us, and we welcome it in our baptism. God's grace and love are poured out with no prerequisites. We don't even know what to ask for often. We don't know where we've fallen short. It doesn't matter. God's love covers us. God's grace always goes first. And then our response is to live out a response to God's love. So all of that action that Jesus is about to embark on from from the time of Luke chapter 3 to the end of the gospel, God's healing, Jesus' healing work, his miraculous work, his servant nature, his love, his care for children, all of that is an outpouring of his rootedness as God's beloved son. So, So now anything we say or do is a response to God's first loving us. May we enter into our daily life knowing that we are loved and that we can share that love of God with others. So to the God who revealed his son in the waters of the Jordan and called us, you and me, his beloved, we say yes. Yes to the call to repent. Yes to live a life of abundance, a full life. Yes to joining God's healing work in the world. Let us love God as God has first loved us.